0: Welcome to the Battlefield Baptist Church Podcast. We are so glad you joined us and pray that this message is a blessing to you today. This week, pastor finished his sermon series with his sermon, Peace. So if you look with me this morning, I want to get right into uh, God's Word in Luke chapter 2. I want to draw your attention beginning in verse number 11. And what we find in verse number 11 is that the angel is actually speaking to the shepherds. What an uncommon group of people that the angel would actually declare the birth of Christ to the shepherds out in the field at that, at that moment in history. But notice what the angel says in verse number 11, Luke chapter 2, the Bible says this. It says, "...for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord." And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you. For the gift of life that we have today to gather together to celebrate the real reason for Christmas. God we thank you for your many blessings over this past year and certainly we are grateful for your hand of mercy. First and foremost in your hand of grace that has been upon our lives this year. God I pray that as we look in your word this morning that certainly we might be reminded of another one of your incredible, incredible gifts that you have given to us through Christ Jesus. Father, I pray that you be with each family, each individual represented here this morning. God, that you might draw our hearts and our minds close to thee during this special time of year. God, that we might not look for our happiness or joy under a tree, but God, that we might look to the one who provided ultimate joy and happiness by dying on a tree. Father, we love you. We look forward to what you're going to do. Certainly, God, as always, we ask that if there's someone in this room that has never trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, God, that today might be the day that they do that. God, we'll ask this in the precious name of your Son and for His sake. Amen and amen. This morning, I want to talk to you, uh, continue kind of our topic. We've been talking, if you look at the cover of the bulletin, we've been covering uh, all month, ...really this greatest gift of all. And uh, Paul refers to the gift of Jesus Christ in 2 Corinthians chapter 9... ...when he says these words at the very end of of that passage. He says, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. And so this month we've been talking about the greatest gift of all... ...that can only be found in Jesus Christ... And over the past few weeks, we've discussed the incredible benefits and the incredible blessings that we find in the gift, in this unspeakable gift that Paul speaks about. I mean, when we think about it, we think about benefits like hope. We talked about the hope that we have in Christ. We talked about uh, God's love being shown through that gift, that unspeakable gift. And then last week, as was uh, the imagery that we saw through the musical, and then as we discussed it briefly right after, we talked about joy. And so we see the hope. The love and the joy of Christmas that comes only through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so this morning we conclude really our season of our Advent season and uh, the messages surrounding this time of year by briefly looking at another one of God's gifts that actually really can only be appreciated and actually acquired through His Son. All of these gifts, hope, love and joy that we've already discussed, we only find them wrapped through the gift of Jesus Christ. And today we look at really the final gift that we see. And certainly we could go on and on. There are so many gifts that are bestowed upon us because of Christ Jesus. But today I want us to look at the gift of peace. The gift of peace. When we think about that night of nights when Christ came into the world, He came as the peacemaker. Some some fun facts. I said this yesterday and my son uh, was listening and I, later on in the day he said some fun facts for you. I said, you've been listening to Dad's message. And uh, some fun facts for you when we think about peace. Actually, peace appears in Scripture over 400 times. I think it's pretty important. 400 times the Bible references this idea of peace. In the Old Testament, the word shalom is used. And it refers to this. It actually refers to the state of wholeness ...or harmony that is intended to resonate in every and all relationships. Actually, the word peace comes from a root word that actually denotes this. It denotes the completion or wholeness in which the general meaning carries... ...the idea of unity and a restored relationship. Hold on. So peace is not going to be found in your paycheck... Peace is not going to be found in all the material things that we could ever hope to acquire. The Bible is saying when it speaks of shalom, this type of peace in the Old Testament, it is denoting a peace that only comes through this idea of unity when a relationship is restored. And yet we find our peace right here in Scripture when the angel said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, good will toward men. It's interesting to note that the word peace also conveys a wide range of nuances, including these words, but not limited to these words. Fulfillment, maturity, harmony, tranquility, security, well-being, friendship, agreement, and yes, even success. In fact, if you look at the New Testament and we study the word that's used in the New Testament for peace, it refers to one's prosperity, one's quietness, And yes, mom and dads, it actually refers to one's rest. Who needs a little rest on Christmas Eve? Has anybody had, uh, my wife deemed this, I've never heard of this, it's called a Wrapping. wrapping palooza. I never heard of a wrapping palooza until yesterday I saw her at a table when I got home. It was a wrapping palooza. I didn't know that was a thing, but I guess it is. I think my wife needs some rest. She needs some peace. Author uh, J. Oswald Sanders actually said it this way. He said, peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. Someone else put it like this. They said, peace is a right relationship with God that leads to a right relationship with self, and it guides you and I in a right relationship with other people. It's kind of hard to have peace with others when you're not at peace with yourself or at peace with God. And so we see this peace all throughout Scripture. I think about Galatians chapter 5. If you have that, show Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. See, because what we see is the Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. We talked about love this month. It's joy. We talked about joy, peace, Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. In other words, what the Bible is saying is that peace is the result and fruit of righteousness. Without Christ, there is no peace. Without Christ coming into the world, there could be no peace. But I begin to ask myself this question. Why? Why was it necessary Why was it necessary for God to send peace and how did he go about sending it? I mean, the real easy answer at Christmas time is, hey, duh, how did he send it? He sent peace through Jesus Christ. You just read that. But let's look at it biblically a little bit deeper. In verse number 14 of this text that we just read, notice what the scripture says again in Luke 2, 14. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. When I think about the peace of Christ coming into the world, the Bible is speaking of the peace of recon, excuse me of reconciliation. In fact, in the side of my Bible, I have it written. I I I don't know about you. I write little notes to myself in, in my personal study Bible, uh, and, and it's really not a study Bible with a, with a lot of helps or anything like that. But this is the Bible that I use. And in fact, uh, it's becoming problematic for me because it's harder and harder for me to read because the print is so small. Uh, But in the side of my Bible, I've got a little note right here that says, Harmony had come to the earth. That's what we're talking about. When the Christ child came to the earth, peace had come, the peace of reconciliation Harmony had come to the earth. Travis actually read Isaiah 9, 6 a little bit earlier, and the Bible says there again, this is all speaking about how. How did peace come? How did peace come? It came through Christ. Isaiah 9, 6 prophesies about this when it says this, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Other Old Testament passages speak of peace as well. In Zechariah, the end of Zechariah nine ten, the Bible tells us that he, speaking of Jesus Christ, shall speak peace unto the heathen, and his dominion shall be from sea to sea and from river even to the ends of the earth. I was reading the classic passage in Micah chapter 5. And you know, after Micah prophesies about where Christ will be born, and he talks about Bethlehem Ephrathah, he speaks about the location of Christ's birth, where he would be born. If you keep on reading, a lot of people like to read Micah chapter 5, verse 2, but I would encourage you to read all of Micah. I would encourage you to read all of the Bible. But if you start in verse number 1 and make your way to verse number 5, what you find is pretty interesting in verse number 4 and 5. Because the Bible says this, it says, He shall speak peace uh, unto the heathen in Zechariah. In Micah 5, 4, it says this, And he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide, for now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. And the very beginning of verse number 5 says this, And this man, this is speaking of Christ, shall be the peace. He shall be the peace. When He comes, He shall be the peace. And certainly, He is the only one that we can find peace in. The how can further be seen. The how did God send peace can further be seen in other passages. You think about Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1 when the angel Gabriel, he lets Mary and Joseph in on God's plan. Can you imagine him letting Mary know that she is going to conceive a child but it's not going to be conceived in the normal means? This child's going to be conceived of the Holy Ghost. Are you kidding me? And then to make things even more interesting, the angel goes to Joseph while he's, he's thinking on these things. He falls asleep. The angel says, hey, don't fear to take Mary unto thee as thy wife because that child that's conceived in her is conceived of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son. Notice the Bible talks about bringing forth this son. And his name shall be called uh, Emmanuel. And you call him Jesus and on and on. In Galatians chapter 4, we've read this passage over and over this month. It talks about when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Oh yes, we can see how God was going to do it all throughout scripture. I like the beginning of Luke chapter 2. It gives us a little more information on how Joseph and Mary, they made their way to Bethlehem. Why would they go to Bethlehem? Anyone ever thought about that? Because they were of the house and the lineage of David. This is speaking of the royal line of Christ. Had to be born in Bethlehem. Oh, by the way, where did the prophet Samuel go to find David? He went to Jesse the Bethlehemite's house. Yes, Jesse was from Bethlehem. And David came out of the house of Jesse. And on and on we see how God put this amazing piece all together in his word. But again... It's not just about the how. I had to ask myself, why? Why would God send peace into the world? I mean, wasn't the world doing okay? I mean, we look around, hey, life's good, right? Is life good? It really is a good, good life. Oh, but there are troubles that abound everywhere we look. All you have to do is turn on the radio or the television and you hear how trouble abounds every turn. So why would God send peace into the world? Well, the first answer is pretty easy. Because God is love. He would send peace because He's love. And we talked about His love a couple of weeks ago. The Bible actually says in 1 John four sixteen, and actually references it again in verse number 8 that love is actually of God. And then not only is God love, but He loves us. So why does he send peace? He sends peace because he loves us. That's that classic passage from John three sixteen. For God, so what? Loved the world. He loved you and he loved me. Why does he send peace? Because of his love, because he is love. But I would suggest to you, why does he send peace? Some more important reasons other than just his love is that God wanted to make peace or to restore peace with mankind. Think about it the relationship between God and man had been severed by sin all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. And so God, He wants to restore peace with mankind. And then also I believe God wanted to bring peace about between the Jew and the Gentile. In both reasons that I mentioned there, when we think about the, 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 the relationship being broken between God and man and man to man's relationship being like this, There was war in both cases. I think about it and I look at Scripture. The Bible talks about this war, Isaiah 48, 22, and actually 57, 21. There's a couple of different words, but both of these passages teach the same lesson. And when they say this, it says, There is no peace, saith the Lord unto the wicked. In other words, peace cannot exist without righteousness. And what I find pretty interesting is that Isaiah 64, Isaiah 64, verse number 6 tells us that our righteousnesses are like what? Filthy rags. And so if I look at my own righteousness or I try to try to stack up my own good works or my own thought processes or my own righteousness, the Bible says that those things are about the equal to filthy rags. But when we think of the peace of God, those, those things... Our love, joy, hope, peace, and on and on and on and on we think about it. Listen, man had been at war with God since Adam had sinned in the Garden of Eden. And man has subsequently, because of that sin, man has been at war with man ever since. In James chapter 4, James asks and actually answers the question for us. Notice verse number 1. The beginning of verse number 1 in James 4 says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? And what you'll find in these following few verses is that James, he actually mentions three wars that actually keep you and I from experiencing peace. The first war is the war with one another, which is what I just referenced. Man has always been at war with man since the fall of man. And notice what he says in the beginning. He says, Wars and fightings among you. He says, you're at war with one another. But notice he goes on. He says, you're at war with yourself. Look at the end of verse 1. He says, from whence come wars and fightings among you, come they not hence, even of your lust, that war in your members. That's something that takes place inside each and every one of us. And Then if you read on in verses 2 to 4, James says, hey, not only are you at war with one another, not only is there a war raging inside of yourself, there's a war raging with God. Notice the Bible says, Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. He says, Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity. Enmity is a pretty important word, and it speaks of our hostility, our opposition, our hatred. It's a type of warfare that you and I have against God. James says, you know not the friendship of the world is enmity with God. And then he says these words. He says, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is what? The enemy of God. Speaking of the war with God. Oh, in Romans Road that we like to quote when we're trying to tell somebody that they need to be saved, we always pull out Romans 5, 8 that says, but God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, that passage where it says in that while we were yet sinners is speaking of the war that we had with Christ before he came in. But I want to suggest to you that we need to be careful. We need to be careful when we talk about this peace of God, this peace that God sent into the world. Because you see, Jesus came from heaven to earth. Yes, he came to author and to establish peace. But it does not mean that everyone has it. Hence the reason we're at war with one another. You see, you walk out of this room without Christ... You're going to be at war still with other people. What's difficult for me to see as a pastor is that Christians who say they have the peace of God ruling and reigning in their life at war with one another. That's the problem. That's the problem that I see. It's a conundrum. And quite frankly, I think that's a big reason why Others who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ want nothing to do with Jesus Christ because they see Christians arguing, fussing, and fighting with one another and they say, hold on, you guys are talking about the love, the joy, the hope, and the peace that you have in Christ and you guys can't even get along with yourself. Hello. We have to be very careful with this thing about peace because just because Jesus authored and established it does not mean that everyone has it. Oh, His peace is not based on circumstances or feelings. His peace must be received. His peace must be received. And the good news is that it can be. Oh yes, my friends, when Jesus arrived in the form of a little baby, He came to usher in a new kind of peace. Look at verse number 11 in Luke chapter 2. What's interesting is He came to usher in peace as a Savior. He came to usher in peace as the Messiah. He came to usher in peace as Christ the Lord. Look back with me at verse number 11. Notice what the angel says again. The angel says to the shepherds, He says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, stop right here, a Savior. Notice the first title that He gives the child, the Christ child. He says, Unto you is born, first and foremost, a Savior. If you have ever sinned against God, guess what? You need a Savior. Is anybody in here, and please don't raise your hand. I mean, if, unless you really are without sin. If you're without sin, you don't need a Savior. But for the rest of us, we need a Savior. Believe me, I needed a Savior bad. My wife says, yes, you did. Listen, we need a Savior. If we've sinned, we need a Savior. In Matthew chapter 1 Verse 21, the angel Gabriel tells Joseph, that speaking of Jesus, and he shall, be, he shall bring forth a son, speaking of Mary, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Now why would the angel say you shall call his name Jesus? He finishes it up by saying this, for he shall save his people from their sins. See, so the angel declares to the shepherds the same message that he declares to Joseph in a dream. He says, hey, you're going to call his name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. And then the angel goes and speaks in a different, uh, at a different point and speaks to the shepherds and says, listen, uh, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Oh, yes, think about it. If someone sins against you, who has the power and ability to forgive that sin? You. If somebody sins against me, I have the power and the ability to say you're forgiven. Or, <laughs> which I, I'm afraid happens more than often, I say I forgive, but then I hold a little grudge. I hold a little bit of that, I hold a little bit of that forgiveness back because I don't want to forget how you wronged me, how you did something against me. See, when somebody sins against us, we have the only ability and power to forgive that person the same is true when we think about sinning against God the only one who can forgive sin against God is God himself and since the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God my guess is that we all need a Savior and what were wonderful news that night when the angel said for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior notice also he not only came to save sinners, but notice what else. He says, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Notice the next word, next title, which is what? Christ. Christ is the English word for the Greek word Christos. And it actually means anointed or anointed one and refers to, guess what? Here it comes, the Messiah. The anointed one, the Christ, Christos is actually speaking of the Messiah, the long-awaited, the long-proclaimed Messiah. I think about John. You remember John the Baptist, right? And there in John chapter 1, he points over and he says, Look, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away what? The sin of the world. Do you remember what Andrew does? Do you remember what Andrew does immediately? What's the first thing Andrew does? Look down. In fact, guys, if you'll put up Luke chapter 1, verse 41. Notice what Andrew does. The very first thing he does. The Bible says, He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found who? The Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. The long-predicted, long-awaited prophet, priest, and king had come into the world through a tiny little baby, the Christ child. Oh, what a wonderful thought to think that when the angel declared to those shepherds on that night of nights, For unto you is born in the city of David a Savior. Oh, which is Christ. And then notice the last title the angel ascribes to this little tiny baby. He says, which is Christ what? The Lord. See, a lot of people are looking for a Savior. Nobody really wants a Lord Well, in fact, I read an article not too long ago where they're actually coming up with a new Bible translation and they're going to take out every reference to where it says Lord. I, I want to encourage you, don't buy that translation. If you take away the description of Jesus Christ as Lord, you have a problem. And yet, we would agree with that statement. But sometimes we're not really keen on letting Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Christ, be our Lord. We want the Savior. We want Jesus to save us from our sin. We like that thought. We like the thought of one day dying and going to a beautiful place called heaven. We like how John describes heaven in Revelation. Man, that gets us excited. That gets us pumped up. We like this idea that Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with... Who did he say? the lord he didn't say to be present with the savior he said to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord and so the angel ascribes this title lord listen when i think about jesus he is creator by him and for him all things were created he's not only creator he's sustainer the bible says in uh, going on in colossians i was referencing colossians 1:16 and 17 he is not only creator he is sustainer it says, by him all things consist. He holds it all together. And so when I think of Christ as creator, sustainer, and ruler, I mean, if you're in Luke 2, flip over one page. Notice what the angel says here in, verse, in Luke number 1. It's amazing. He comes to, uh, to Mary, and notice what he says in verse 32. He tells Mary, speaking of Jesus, he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be what? No end. It ain't going to ever stop. He is creator, he is sustainer, he is ruler forever and ever and ever, and as Travis read, he is the mighty God, he's the everlasting Father, he's the Prince of Peace. Oh my goodness, oh praise the name of Jesus. When I think about Jesus on Christmas Eve as my Savior, as my Christ, as my Lord, listen, I can rejoice because the guilt of the past is forgiven. The the trains or trials of the present are overcome and our destiny in the future is secured and guaranteed eternally. It is guaranteed. I like a Savior who guarantees things. You know, I've... uh, I've had the occasion to be in and deal with people in business all my life. And uh, sometimes businessmen and businesswomen, they promise one thing and deliver another thing. You know? They say, oh yeah, I'll do it. Pay me the, pay me the freight on that puppy and, and I'll do it. Now how about you do it and then we'll pay you the freight? That's a, that's a different conversation, but it's the way our world is headed over the years. I'm so glad... That Christ, when He came into the world, He came to seek and to save that which was lost. I'm so glad that He came to be a minister. Not to be ministered unto, but to minister. I'm so glad that when He said, It is finished, that's exactly what He meant. Oh, listen. Yes, the guilt of the past is gone, forgiven, removed. The trials of our present can be overcome because of Christ. And our destiny in the future is guaranteed. It's secured eternally. Listen, all I can say, folks, is that if we lack peace, it's not God's fault. If you lack peace this morning, it's not God's fault because here's what I see in Scripture. He actually planned the gift of peace for you and I specifically. He actually, before the foundation of the world planned, he knew what Adam would do. Some people get into a big old discussion about predestination. Let me just tell you, God knew what Adam would do, but God also gave Adam a choice. And this morning, God knows what you will do with this message, but he gives you the choice. He gives you the choice. Oh, maybe we would surprise the father this morning by really connecting with peace ...for the very first time in our life. Listen, he actually planned it for us. I think about the prophet Jeremiah. What does Jeremiah say in Jeremiah 29, verse 11? The Bible says, "...For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord." Thoughts of what? Peace. "...and not of evil, to give you an expected end." Listen, when God thinks about you and I... ...he thinks about you and I in the realm of peace... He wants you to experience it. He wants me to experience it. He wants the entire world. Remember, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He wants the whole world to experience it. But his peace is not something that is just thrown down on you. We must receive it. Oh, yes, Jesus purchased our peace. If we look around these days, I put this and I close. If we look around these days, it's really easy to become distressed. It really is, man. We could be real distressed really quickly by looking around, and you know I've often done this too. I've made the mistake over my life of doing this. If we look within ourselves, yeah. Anybody else done that? Think I'll take care of it. I'm going to create some peace in the home. There's there's some dis there's some disunity. There's some. There's, there, harmony is not present in the home so I'm going to do everything in my power to create peace that'll last for about a day or two you might be able to fool somebody to think you're going to bring peace into the home but until Jesus brings peace there'll never be peace There'll never be peace between you and your husband. There'll never be peace between you and your wife. There'll never be peace between you and your children or your grandchildren or your next-door neighbor, heaven forbid. There'll never be peace until you allow the peacemaker to come into your life and to rule and to reign. I look within myself many times and I end up being depressed. I get depressed. I get distressed from looking around the world to see what's going on. I look inside and I become depressed. But here's what I know. When I look to Jesus, I actually see safety. I find safety when I look to Christ. I find peace when I look to Christ. And I actually can find rest when I look to Christ when I stop trying to figure out all the problems of the world, when I stop trying to solve all the problems of the world and I get on my hands and knees and I cry out to the only one who can answer any prayer that we have, oh, that's when I start to realize that safety, that peace, and that rest that all of us are looking for. Oh, this morning I say to those that are without peace, God's offer of peace is still available to you, but you must receive peace the Lord Jesus Christ, as your Savior, as your Christ, and as your Lord today. But those who lack peace, you say, well, I'm, I'm saved, I trusted Christ 20 years ago. How's the peace going for you, sir? How's peace going for you, ma'am? Do you have peace this morning? Have you experienced peace? Because see, if you want peace to fill your life, then God is going to have to rule your life. If you want peace to fill your life, then you're going to have to allow the Lord Jesus Christ to rule your life. Oh, I like this. A lot of people say, man, Christ reigns. Christ reigns. And we sing and we lift up holy hands. Christ reigns. Oh, man, Jesus is so good and so good. But does he rule in your life? Is he the Lord of your life? See, because if he is Lord of your life, then you're going to be able to experience the peace that was intended for you to experience that night of nights when the angels declared, Oh, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I was thinking about Sabrina. I I, I don't know why I was thinking about Sabrina the other day when I was writing this. And and I think, Jared, you might have made a slide. Is it up there? If you guys throw this last thing up, and then I'm going to pray. Notice what it says. No God no peace. But the alternative is no God, no peace. No God, no peace. But if we know God, that is when we'll begin to really know and experience peace. Would you pray with me? Thank you so much for listening. For more information about our ministry, please go to battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. See you next time.